And welcome back to the FFMSA Podcast, everybody. My name is Brian Ashij, and I'm here with... Chris Lucky. And today we're going to be talking about uh, good old Donnie Darko. Hey. Um, but before we do any of that, the condiments, ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise, whatever the fuck. The ketchup. Condiments, hey. the whole thing. You know, right. the <laughs> uh, what you been up to this week? Uh, well, the first thing I want to point out is that I haven't used this pop filter that mm. I have on my microphone in a long time, and mm. it's just been kind of picking up dust. All right. Uh, and now it's in my face, and it smells fucking awful. All right. Um, so, that being said, <laughs> uh, I haven't been doing a lot. I had okay. a I had a photo shoot on Friday. Nice. Uh, last Friday with uh, Jamie, and uh, it went really well. I was a model, mm. and, and she got a picture of me with, like, my happy face mug, and uh. looking up to it towards the distance, like, oh broody and just sort of me like <laughs> okay. and i was and i was into that it sounds fun uh just been going to school yep. going through the motions yep. working i work by myself mm. a lot of the time now and i've never been happier oh yes uh, yes it, it, oof, so good yeah it's like the only time i work with someone else is on thursdays and mm. it's they don't talk a lot so it's great nice i fucking love working by myself mm. i hope i get to do the same thing next oh yeah quarter. yeah because it's fucking phenomenal that was uh, my main reason for taking that job earlier on when I first got to the school. It was like, um, well, no one's working this 7.30 a.m. shift, so you have to get here at, by 7.30. I'm like, and I'll be by myself? Oh, sure, yes, sign me up. I'll be working every 7.30 shift, yes. you know, by my damn self. That was, that was great. It's fucking great. Yeah. I, I, I hated working by myself, but now I can handle everything, and it's, it's great. It's oh, yeah. fantastic. And I've been watching, I watched a movie called Annan. Annan. Uh, on Netflix. Mm. It came out on Netflix. I think it's, a, I don't know if it's an original or whatever, mm. but it's the guy that, I think it's Clive Owens, the guy from Children of Men. Okay. Uh, is the star. And uh, that movie has an interesting premise. It's in a world where anonymity doesn't exist. Oh, nice. So they have access to the internet all the time. So I call it the ether. Okay. And like, it's implanted in their brains, essentially. So they can look the internet in their eyes every time they look at someone it gives them like a profile of who they are yeah and like and all of that and then there's a group of biohackers essentially that can hack into the ether and mm. like delete traces of themselves and change people's essentially memories okay and the premise is that people that want to edit out their records because it records everything you see people that want to edit out their records hire these biohackers and then they stitch together new records essentially by video editing mm. and compositing and then someone started killing the clients of this biohacker and there it's like in a world where anonymity doesn't exist yeah. you always know immediately who killed somebody yeah <laughs> and this is the first time in years where they have like an actual who done it mm. so the premise is like really fucking cool yeah and everything and i hated the 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 directorial decisions about how they handled the ether uh. <laughs> You know, because, like, they switch into this weird POV whenever they want someone to look at something mm. with the ether. And it's, like, this really weird, not, like, shaky, natural POV shot. Yeah. And it makes me uncomfortable. And I, ugh. But okay. other than that, cinematography was gorgeous. Mm. But just the fucking POV shots just, like, ruined it. <laughs> I mean, was, was it, uh, like, purposeful? Was that the purpose? It was very purposeful. Okay. Well, yeah, um, right. So, like, I respect them for doing it. Yeah. It's just, like, one of those things that distanced the That's viewer from the movie is, so much I, I would have to see it because i'm wondering if it was like a, a personal brian thing of these things make me uncomfortable personally or if it was like across the board these are going to make the viewer uncomfortable right or if it's, uh, like, it's supposed to make you uncomfortable and that's part of it you know, yeah, i don't think it's supposed to make you uncomfortable it's mm. supposed like i think the intent of the pov shot in this movie is to draw you into the world mm. by no, by letting you know what the ether looks like from a first person point of view yeah and, like, how the world exists within that context. Yeah. The problem with POV shots is that they're so uncinematic and they're so unnatural mm -hmm. that they take you away from the, from the movie. Okay. Because by putting yourself in a POV, what you're doing is you're telling the audience, this is what you're seeing yeah. right now. This is, like, it. Yeah. These are your eyes. And cinema doesn't work like that, you know. Cinema... It, it can, but yeah, it right. can, <laughs> but like not a lot of people do it successfully. Like yeah. there's been experiments with uh, like first person before, like Hardcore mm -hmm. Henry, a movie called Maniac. Uh, there's uh, a movie called Enter the Void that does it very well as well. Yeah, Enter the Void mm -hmm. does it really well. Mm -hmm. um, but those are movies that take away, at least Enter the Void, I think works really well because it takes away the reality of the situation mm -hmm. and it's kind of abstract. Sure. Um, but in this one, when everything's so constrained in reality and you have a, a, a first person point of view. 
it's not a game. You're not in control. So it feels really unnatural and mm. sort of un, like unreal. It unhinges you from yeah, the, the movie itself. Right. So like, I thought that the premise is great. I think Clive Owens, is it Clive Owens? Clive Owens. Mm-hmm. I thought the, I thought Clive Owens was great. Amanda Seyfried was okay, but I, the movie was just like. I, I remember announcing this on um, probably like two or three weeks ago now, now that I looked it up. And the reason I didn't watch it was the premise reminded me very much of a Minority Report. Oh, with, yeah. Um, the Tom Cruise movie from the late 90s. And yeah, I'm going to report it. Yeah, and like with this anonymity, so you really can, any crime is going to be solved. You know, everything is, you pretty much know what everything is. And right. that's the premise of Minority Report, to where if everything is pre-planned or uh, predetermined, then you already know who killed who before they even did it. Right. And then you started to work into, well, what if we throw a wrench in the system? Now you don't know who did what. And that's kind of the same premise, but it's just taking a Right, bit, and it's you know. a cool premise, yeah. but I, but it really depends on the execution. Definitely. Like so. for it to work oh, yeah. and i just felt like i just felt like the way they handled that disconnect that connection between reality and and sort of the ether was yeah. was really disorienting and it kind of fucked me up yeah um so uh, good job but yeah yeah so but it's worth uh it's worth watching on like a saturday sunday we don't have anything to do yeah like like it's it really is a cool like like premise nice. so I, I think i think it's a, it's a cool movie it's okay. not bad nice um other than that i've just kind of been you know learning audition mm-hmm. again yeah I spent. I haven't been able to sleep the last like three days, so yeah. I've been obsessing over the tiny details in addition, and watching videos. And yesterday, I spent six hours like balancing my voice out on mm. the mixer. Yeah. Um, so anybody that wants to be a podcaster, I hope you're ready to deal with all of that shit, because <laughs> it's a, uh, it's pretty fucking annoying. I, I I had it, and then I lost it, and then I had it, and then I lost it, and then I had it, and then you know, fucking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. That's I don't know. I'll, I will bore the entire shit out of you guys if I tell you about what my week was like, and the same thing with audition and the technical things within it. But but yeah, it's 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 it's, it's uh, excruciating. It hey, can be. I have to, you have to learn about like frequencies yeah. and hertz and and fucking dBs and 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 widths. That's that's the great yeah. thing about working with sound though. It's like either you you enjoy doing it and it's just like a a burden of love. I think there's a better expression for that. What's that? Uh, a burden of love, but you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. There's an Something that you love doing, but it kind of sucks thick. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, and that, that's what it was, like, um, just quickly glossing over it. It's just like, I was like, I'm sitting here editing for three hours straight, and it was like, I can't, you know, be have a television on in the background, and then the, I can just casually <laughs> hear what's happening with that. But like, no, because I have to hear everything going on with this editing. It's like, you have to be completely focused and locked into this one thing and this one thing only. Yep. You know, and it's just... It's different. You can't be locked into the world to where your phone, you're looking at your phone and notification. You got the TV going over here. You got the radio going over there. You got all these different things that are happening. And But no, you just you got to be locked into focus. And I was talking to Brian a little bit about that, you know, just balancing your, your work time, your creative time, your emotional time, just time for yourself. And it's just like a huge juggling act. And it's, I don't know, the, the more time that you have, you know, doing this juggling act, it gets easier, I guess. But I don't know, I guess it's just like with everything in life, you know, you, you start off with just juggling one ball, you know, yeah. as, as a kid or whatever. Then they throw you another one. And they're like, oh, look how great. I can juggle these two <laughs> things. I can go to school and do well, and I could be a functioning human being. You know, then they throw that throw that third ball at you. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I don't think I'm a functioning human being that well. Nope. <laughs> you and know? then they so, throw you a bowling pin. You're like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, so I, that's, I get it. That's kind of how it is now. It's just juggling so many things, and it's just like, fuck. I don't want to drop one. But eventually one drops, and... Yeah. You're sad for a while, but it is what it is. You're going to have to pick up the pieces of the bowling pin later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, life has been weird because I'm in that point where I'm te- I'm an adult, mm. but I'm, I'm very much like a kid, like economically and, oh, yeah. and yeah. like situational-wise. Yeah. And it's weird. It's a weird transition period. And, mm. and every day it's a kind of say, it's a battle to it's just like what are you? It's the sad <laughs> part is it's like this is probably one of the best times of your life for the next twenty years. Yep. Well, that's a sad part of I mean, maybe it won't be, but yeah. most likely yeah, it is like a great time in life for you. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I don't think it gets any better. I, I would hope so. Yeah. It's like I'm still like I said, I'm not at the point to where it's great right. yet for me. So like I'm I'll be thirty four this year. So like at forty that would be nice to, you know, be great, but I don't even expect that. To have shit balanced out. Yeah, you know, nah, nah. Still gonna have to struggle and, and work hard and you know. I think that's going to happen all the way to the 60s. Uh, I hope to God not. I think the 60s is my cutoff. You know, if I'm still working really hard in the 60s Mm -hmm. and like, and something that I don't particularly enjoy doing, Mm -hmm. 
I think that's it. I think I'm just gonna like go homeless and start having fun. <laughs> it's, <just laughs> it's odd to see. I um I had a dinner with my dad uh, uh last week or the week before, and he's he has to be his late fifties. Maybe he's about to turn sixty sometime soon. And I've never known him to have a passion for anything. You know, I mean, as as a kid, like he talked about how he played football as a child and those things. But like ever since I've known him as an adult, like I haven't seen any passion, you know, for anything outside of going to work and doing your job. Right. And now he's coming up to where it's like, okay, I'm trying to retire in the next five years and not saying retire like go sit at home and collect Social Security checks, yeah. but retire from this job and then be able to do whatever it is I'm passionate about for eight hours. You know, right. whatever the income of that is, I'm completely fine with that income because I've set myself up for life to where I don't have to do something I don't enjoy for the rest of my life. Right. So I'm like, what is that? I don't even know you as a, a person. <laughs> Seriously, I don't even know you. And yeah. I'm seeing like that from my mother, from my aunt, all of these people that are getting into their 60s and, you know, getting to that point. And I'm like, okay, that's one route to go. You know, and I could just continue to to do this work route and save my money. And then eventually, by the time I get to late 50s or 60s, then I'll be able to devote my time into things that I want to do. But right. like, no, I, I don't want that. Like, no. that's, that's why I'm doing this this crazy juggling act. Because I'm like, you know, I would like to get there at 40 or maybe before that to where I'm doing the things that I want to do with my life and getting paid for that. Right. That would be amazing, you know, but. It's, it's just, it's wild to see, you know, different people's steps in life and how they get to where they're trying to go. It's yeah. fucking weird, man. Like, yeah. That approach of, like, just setting yourself up, like, doing all of that for yeah. later on, that scares me. Yeah, it's I mean. It's terrifying. It, it is. But it's like, it's, it's two different, it's just what you want out of life, you know. Yeah. One, one part is like, hey, I need this house. I need this car. I have to provide for these kids. It's like, that's all the responsible uh, part of me in life. And it's just, it's tough once you put yourself in a position to where now you're strapped down to have these kids and you can't just throw them away and decide, I'm going to go be the creative person. Right. You know, yeah, it's just, or marry. Just as soon as you strap yourself down with certain responsibilities, you just have to kind of see it through. So that's why I'm kind of like, you're in a great position because you don't have like the responsibility strapped down on you to where right. you're committed to a kid and a mortgage and the car payments and those like binding things to where you, you're obligated, you know? <laughs> Funny thing about kids, uh, a girl that I almost went on a date with like maybe two years ago mm. had messaged me back on OkCupid, and I was just like, oh, just to catch up. Like, hey, how you doing? What's up? What's happening? And yeah. then she goes like, oh, well, I've had a baby now. Mm. And my mind immediately went like, that baby's not mine. <laughs> yeah. But it's, of course, it's not mine. We never went on the date. Yeah. But I read it, and defensively, I just went like, it's not fucking mine. I don't, I don't need this in my life. Right. It's just like I'm so terrified of the idea of having a child. Uh, at 23 years old, mm. that whenever someone mentions me that they've had a baby and I've had even the inkling of a romantic relationship with them, mm. my mind immediately goes like, it's not fucking yours. Mm. Yeah. It's not your fucking problem. Yeah. Walk away. Close the phone. Lock mm. it. Throw it away. doesn't yeah. matter. So, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want kids. Kids are mm. just fucking I, I, I never, I never wanted kids in right. my life, either, but I have one now. And, yeah, and, it's, and it's and it's wonderful, and I'm I'm so grateful because it changed my life. Right. You know, but uh, same thing like with I never wanted to be married, and right. I, maybe that'll happen one day. Yeah. You know, but it's just I don't know things just kind of change. My 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 view stays the same, but it just kind of tweaks to the left or to the right, and just adjusting to life. But I don't know. I um I started watching again this show, My Hero Academia. Oh, I've been watching that too. Oh yeah, yeah. season three is is finally out. Hell yeah, have you caught up on season three? No, I'm gonna I watched episode three was the last one I watched. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think we're in five now or four. Um I fin I can tell you where I'm at. I don't know yeah. which episode it is because the way that I do it is just binging and yeah, over just, and over. Yeah, <laughs> just clicking the buttons. <laughs> I know like I've read the manga, so I know yeah. I, I don't care about spoilers. Okay. Yeah. Um where I'm at in season three now, shit, because I'm 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 on a crazy drinking binge this entire weekend as well. <laughs> So just trying to recall, but um, but uh, the uh, the main villain, the one with the hand over right, his face yeah. or whatever, he's trying to trying to create this uh, super villain team. He has a crazy girl and a guy with stitches over his yep. face or whatever. He um, uh, was a stain that seen uh, Midoriya at the mall. Did you get to that point? Uh, yeah. Uh, me, well, uh, stain was the that already happened. That was season two. Not 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 when Stain not, not the guy that um Stain was the one with the uh, the yeah, bandana over his eyes and then his ability to taste your blood or whatever then yeah. just incapacitate you. Yeah. When uh, Midori is at the mall in season three and he's sitting there, then a guy comes up behind him and puts his hand on his neck. Oh, that's uh that's Togaruka. That's, that's the same guy with the hand. That's the hand guy. Yeah. Okay, because he didn't have the hand thing over his face at this right. time, but they kept showing the eye, so it was like, okay, I think that's him. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah. Him. I got I got to the episode after that. So whatever. whatever okay. Cool. Yeah. Is that season three? Yes. I could have sworn that was season two. 
Yeah, the way it was labeled on my thing was season three. Yeah, all right, sure. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's an that's a fucking awesome. No, that was that's season three, episode two, where he uh, does the thing. Okay, that's that's that episode. All right, sweet. Yeah, I met it all the way to the fight. Uh, and like at the end of episode three, it was like that badass Mil- Miloria moment. Where I don't like, know if I've seen that. Then oh, dude, it's so okay. good. You're gonna see it. It's like it's like a classic like Goku goes Super Saiyan moment. Nice. at this point, that's so fucking great. Hell yeah, guys, you're definitely watching that. Uh, big news in the in the world of animation. Rick and Morty just got renewed for seventy episodes. Seventy fucking episodes mm-hmm. after we thought that they were just done. <laughs> oh no, they're gonna get that Szechuan sh- sauce. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> that they will that they fucking will <laughs> yep 90 episodes they're gonna like, get it man you and me forever morty <laughs> for the end of time morty rickandmorty.com <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm actually excited me i haven't too. i haven't caught up with season three yet i mean like, the fan base was like so trash mm. during that season that it oh. just kind of fell off it but i'm excited for it i am too dan Harmon and justin roiland Ju- that's what justin roiland 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 yeah that's i want to look into this guy this just when He's i when really I, fucking funny when, when i seen that the, the 70 episode renewal renewal i was all over twitter and i was seeing him you know responding to to like all the fans and everything on twitter interacting and everything and then i was like 70 episodes like the, there has to be a huge commitment coming from someone someone's time yep. and dan Harmon, you know he He's, he's a creator, you know, on this show, but he doesn't have as much time because I, I see where his time is split into a lot of different content. Yeah, he has a I'll, podcast. He has yeah. the, the D&D thing. The he, direct, like, you know, he's got a lot. He's, yeah, he's split apart. You know what I'm saying? He's still doing a lot. So I'm like, this commitment, that's going to be coming a lot from Justin. So I started, like, looking at Justin's Twitter his Twitter feed and everything. I'm like, this dude is interesting as shit. <laughs> it's so like fucking funny. As much because I, I just felt a little weird because every time I mention Rick and Morty or we talk about it, then I'm saying Dan Harmon, Dan Harmon, Dan Harmon, and that's great you know dan Harmon deserves all the credit that he gets you know but justin justin Rowland, like really got to start saying his name a lot more every time i think about rick and morty you know because he's huge he's really the creative force that spawned rick and morty mm-hmm. dan Harmon just kind of you know joined up with him and like helped him do the thing yeah but the idea of rick and morty came from Rowland, mm-hmm. and he's kind of the one that he's kind of the one that does like the jokes mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's fucking hilarious he that man is weird oh yeah he was the one that did that animation for seth rogan which one? Uh, in the Hilary for Charity. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was the yeah. one that did that. So, mm-hmm. like, that's a sense of humor. He yeah. did a couple of things for Cartoon Network. He's a voice actor. Yeah. He's a fucking fascinating dude. And he's generally one of the, I think, one of the funniest people working in, he is. in the animation industry. Fucking get it, Royland. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for him. And quick before we run into yeah. Tom, the um, guys, make sure you check out our State of the Sitcom. Uh, we did an episode that, yeah. with uh, with Josh Cass. It's really, really good. I think it runs like an hour and a half or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, we really go into animation and sitcom, and you get to hear a lot of different perspectives from uh, me and Brian as well as uh, Joe and Jay. Yeah, nice. really, really solid episode. I'm really grateful that we got the chance to sit down with uh, Josh Cass and oh, talk yeah. about that shit. Yeah. Animation. That's a thing. It was nice. <laughs> it was a very good episode. Uh, I think that I think we were ready to talk about Donnie Darko. Hey. Uh, we're gonna cut and then we'll be right back with a uh, good old Donnie Darko. Anyway, uh, welcome back, uh, Donnie Darko. Uh, Donnie Darko is rated R as a one hour and 53 minute runtime listed as a drama sci-fi thriller a release in 2001. Uh, the rundown is a troubled teenager is plagued by visions of a man in a large rabbit suit who manipulates him to commit a series of crimes after he narrowly escapes a bizarre accident. Uh, the writer director is Richard Kelly. Um, this is riddled full of stars. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is Donnie Darko. His sister plays Maggie Gyllenhaal in her first movie. Uh, she plays Elizabeth Darko. Mm-hmm. Freaking Patrick Swayze, who steals the movie for me. Is he uh, the, the, the author? Uh, of the book, the uh, the love and uh, yeah. So, yeah, Jim Cunningham. Yeah, Patrick Swayze plays Jim Cunningham. Uh, another uh, person that kind of stands out for me hardcore, who I never noticed in this movie, uh, Drew Barrymore yep. is a teacher, and uh, Seth Rogen plays Ricky yep. Danforth and uh, his good friend. I can't think of his name. The, not, uh, neither do I. With the teeth and the hair, weird <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Uh, fun fact: the guy from Mark Carley, the Spencer, is Mark also in this movie. From what? iCarly. Oh, from iCarly. Spencer, he's also in this movie. I call, uh, oh, the older guy. The older, yeah, okay, yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. Also yeah. in this movie. It's oh, like, wow. Like, a lot of people, like, came really? to really. Uh, I think this movie, like, the, boosted um, a couple of people. The um, There's another person who I didn't, won't think many people would know, but the uh, the mother from this movie, she played uh, the pres- President Laura in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, that's where she looked familiar. You watched Battlestar okay. Galactica? I've seen fuck? Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't watch it, yeah, okay, yeah. but I've seen it. Well, see, that's super, super, mm. like, sci-fi nerd shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's... it's <laughs> 
I'm I'm into it in the same way that you're into like moldy cheese, you know? Okay. Just kind of like, you know what? I can I can go for some Battlestar Galactica right now. All right. And then you just kind of have it, and it's like, ah, my breast stinks. I got to go. I don't know if that analogy works so well on me just because I love cheese. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Fair enough. You do love cheese. You do fucking love cheese. (laughs) Fucking pocket cheese. It's one of my funny favorite things. You still do, right? Yeah, I do. I do. You never know when you're going to need that hit of cheese, man. Bless your fucking heart, Chris. Fucking pocket cheese. Anyway, uh, Donnie Darko. Yes. Uh, Like, this is a movie that has it's one of those movies Roger Ebert called it a movie that not only exists but begs to be solved yes uh, it's kind of like it, if you're into movies it, it, the joke is that you watch Sony Darko and then you don't know what the fuck the movie's about and mm. then you google it for three hours and then you realize that it doesn't really matter similar to uh, similar to um uh, David Lynch's Mulholland Drive right where it's yeah. like you watch it like do I get this Right, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I, I, I've, this is my second time watching this movie. I mm. watched it like a year ago, yeah. and like on my first watch, I was just like really in love yeah. with the movie. Same. It's just like a great cinematic experience. Mm-hmm. On my second time, it was yeah. so hard to rewatch mm. a lot of this movie because right. it was just kind of like, what, what are you saying? Because the, the second time you watch it, you want to be a little bit more critical. Yes, yes. And just like let go of the experience and yep. just look at what's happening. It's like, what, what the fuck are you? the fuck are you doing yeah. what's happening what's your yeah. point here what's your end game you yeah. know what's all of this and so like the second time watching donnie darko i had a really hard time just like sitting comfortably and enjoy the movie mm-hmm. because it is one of those movies that has that lack of real easy to follow structure mm. and i mean and that's a purposely so i'm not knocking it down because of it yeah but it isn't hard to follow structure of a movie definitely and so the second time I'm just sitting going like, oh, fucking, please. what is the snakes on the chest? What's what, cellar door? What's happening? Death, mm. grandma, death, the mm. fuck? And then like, it's so I love the, I like the movie. Mm. I used to love the movie. Mm. Now I just like the movie. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I used to love this movie, I guess about eight years ago or so, my first time watching it and didn't understand it. Um, I seen this movie and another movie that I found hard to follow uh, the, around the same time, uh, The Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. Yeah, I love that movie. But uh, with that, a Charlie Kaufman movie, like after you try to watch it critically, it all adds up. Everything you know pieces together like a, a very nice puzzle. Right. Uh, with this Donnie Darko movie, uh, when you watch it critically, the this jigsaw puzzle doesn't form a complete picture. You know, mm-hmm. by the time you get to the end of it, like all the pieces are are definitely there. And like you said, this movie is coming from the same writer and director, and he had a very clear view of what he wanted to make and a very clear voice in the movie, but it didn't form to a complete item for me, you know, right. by, the, by the end of it. Although I think I did enjoy it more this time, only because I felt like I was on the same wavelength and path of the writer director of the movie like seeing what your idea and what you're trying to convey to me is so as opposed to the first time loving it because i don't understand it and some super smart person is showing me stuff that i don't understand there's a <laughs> right. bunny rabbit that's fucking going through time there's time travel there's beams and all a uh, fucking a plane crashes like well the uh, the engine crashes they don't know where the plane is yep. i mean it's just confusing jumbles of mess but it looks really good you know cinematography wise but then when like a critical eye like we're doing now when you try to put all that stuff together it doesn't make for a complete thing that leaves you with any type of enjoyment to say this is amazing you know you can you know right it's not it's, it's not like watching Mulholland Drive or watching any of the Lynchian films okay, yeah, where yeah. they're kind of weird and you go like all right I get it mm. Lynch this is what you're doing and even though if you don't get it you'll never gonna you never really admit that you didn't get Shit, it but for like a Lynchian movie all right. Uh, because the the metaphors are always kind of there, mm. and like the cinema is always you know there in terms of like this is what we got, this is what he wanted to say, yeah. this is what we ended up with. Yeah. How the fuck that translates, I have no idea. But Donnie Darko is really it's definitely one of the, it's, it's a movie where you're like, all right, that's the idea, mm. that's what he wants to say. Yeah. What the fuck is this? You know, like at the end, it always just kind of like gives you like a little at mm. the end where you're just like, I don't know. <laughs> there was the there was something that made me think back to uh, to an episode we had uh, Sage Cofield on, mm-hmm. um, and he's talked he talked about a uh, old poem 
I believe it was a poem uh, from uh, the early 1900s. Yep. And uh, he's talking about a man that's uh, hanging himself, yep. I believe. And then the story takes place, and it's, you know, it's, it's a, a drawn-out story, but the reality of it happens within a microsecond or a second right. from that time to where it takes a snap his neck, you know, him jumping down the noose. And that's the way that I took this movie uh, critically on the second time I watched it. By the time I got to the end, and we're seeing everything just loop and double back, mm-hmm. you, you know, from him being waking up by the uh, by the bunny or by his subconscious or by whatever it is because he's not taking his meds. So it's right. like you guys, it's pretty ambiguous of, of why this is really happening to him. My biggest heavy-handed thing is it's medication, you know. Right, and, Yeah, seriously. You know, but um, they, they try to throw a wrench into that. There's not just medication. Maybe there's something bigger than that. But, right, because um, he stops taking his meds at some point. Yeah. So you're kind of like, well, is it medication? Is, is he it kind of crazy? Like, is yeah, it the yeah. universe collapsing in itself? Yeah, like what yeah. the fuck is happening? Yeah, yeah. So they couldn't, couldn't really tell what that is, but by the time you get to the end of the movie and then it just all loops back to where all of these things could have just happened in a singular moment of him being in his bed and instead of being woken up by the, the bunny rabbit or the voice and telling him to go do all these things and live out those 28 days, you know, mm-hmm. the, where the, the, t- the countdown goes on, instead of any of that happening, now you just die. Right. So it's like that's that's the comparison that I was looking at for those, the, however much time it took for the that parallel universe and that wormhole for that engine to come down is somewhere in his subconscious was aware that this was going to be happening and it started taking him through another reality that he couldn't ever possibly live. That's an interesting point. Uh, I wanted to talk more about the performances and all of that before we got into that. Right. But Because uh, um, I don't think, despite what I just said about Donnie Darko being a sort of hard movie to follow, mm. I don't think it's a complicated movie mm. and I and we have to stop pretending that it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, but guess break it down super uh, simple then. <laughs> so it, it's it's definitely like cinematically, it's definitely not simple. But the concept and the concept is told to you constantly. Mm-hmm. Once you get the point of Grandma Death's uh, notebook or yeah. book and philosophy of time travel, yep. what happened is the the when he woke up and he didn't die by the engine plane or yeah. whatever that that created a parallel universe yeah. where he lived and didn't die. Yeah. And so the universe is trying to put itself to it. back together mm-hmm. so that Donnie Darko dies. So, mm-hmm. like, that parallel universe exists solely to fix the mistake of the real universe. So the Donnie Darko that we follow in, in throughout the entire yeah, movie. It's an alternate universe. It's an alternate universe, yep. Donnie Darko. Yep. And they tell you in the slides in the movie. In the, I watched the director's cut, so mm-hmm. maybe that's not there in the original cut. Mm-hmm. But in the director's cut, there are transitions between chapters where they show you pages of the philosophy of time travel book. Mm. And one of the pages is, is essentially says, at the beginning of like this pocket reality, an artifact will enter the reality. And from that point on, in a couple of weeks, the universe will collapse in on itself. Mm-hmm. It literally says that. Yeah. So artifact, the plain thing that sparked the pocket reality, mm-hmm. Donnie didn't die. And so for the next couple of weeks, we have an unsustainable universe that Mm -hmm. exists purely for the purpose of of killing Donnie Darko Mm -hmm. so that the normal universe can live the way that it should be lived. It's a fucking parallel universe, and the world is just simply trying to put itself back together. It's chaos theory. Mm -hmm. That's all it fucking is. Time travel, that's just Donnie, that's just the, again, the, the, the parallel reality mm-hmm. putting itself back together. So, why is the reason that Donnie Darko can see everything that happens? I think it's because if he can see everything that's happened, he can understand that we're all predestined mm-hmm. uh, in our own timeline. And if he knows that we're all predestined, he's gonna go through the motions because he knows he can't change the fate of time. Mm-hmm. So, he's gonna follow his little stream of time, and all the pieces are gonna fit in together so that at the very end, he knows exactly what to do so that the universe corrects himself. That's something that the uh, the teacher talked to him about. He was talking to the teacher about before the teacher says, I have to stop this conversation because I could lose my job. Right. And uh, Donnie is just trying to follow this logic as closely as he can. He was like, well, well, maybe there's just one, and it's the God timeline. Right. And that's the one we're talking about now is the one that he's able to see through from the beginning yeah. to the end. And he's like, he's just going to be able to follow the God timeline. And he was like, you know what? Just you're crazy as fuck. We're not going right. to have this kind of conversation. <laughs> But it's uh, like, what if you can see into God's channel? Mm-hmm. I think is the same. Yeah, yeah, thing the God, God's yeah. channel. Yeah. So that's that's what he believes he's following. That now he's able to see because he's in this alternate universe that he's able to see everything through this channel for for at least twenty eight days worth of it. You right. Know, until until the end of his alternate universe. 
you know. Yeah, because that's what it takes for the universe to correct itself. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that universe cannot sustain itself for longer than it needs to so that Donnie Darko can die so that mm -hmm. the actual universe can exist. It's not, listen, it's a, it's a lot of, like, bullshit quantum mechanical concepts or whatever, time travel. It's not hard. It's not fucking hard. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's not it's not easy either. It's like I, I can't just say it's easy because when you watch it, it's like I, I don't know. This movie's been out for ten years or so, yeah. and so many people have a hard time with it. So it's like we either have to go under the premise that what I've been saying for a long time that people are generally dumb. <laughs> Or that this movie is a little hard to understand, it's and it's a, like I want to go, I want to go somewhere into both because yeah. I was one of those people for years. Because yeah. I, what, what, what reason would I have to watch this critically? The same thing right. with you. It's yeah. like you know. So I feel like most people are in the the vein of we watch this, it's kind of entertaining, don't really understand. But right. if you try to understand it, then it's not hard. Yeah, but but I think I think it's one of those phenomenons where the culture becomes like, ah, oh, I don't get this movie. So everyone just accepts that the movie is hard to understand and they don't really live it because ah, it doesn't really matter what it's about. No one's going to get it. It's uh. it's fine. It's fine. It is, it's not easy. It's mm. not very simple. The structure of the movie is still very much kind of messy oh, yeah. and twisty and turny and all the characters kind of speaks and these weird riddles and they give you pieces at the beginning of the film yeah. that don't sort of, get put back together until the end of the film like they show you that the rabbit has the, the eye. eye fucked up yeah. and then at the end it, Donnie Darko shoots that rabbit in the eye because mm -hmm. it's an actual dude yeah. so like it, what's really happening is like the rabbit is just a matter of time existing out of order and that's kind of the manifestation of that mm -hmm. and that's what drives Donnie to to sort of do the things that he does so mm -hmm. he can fix the universe. So, like, the rabbit is sort of a metaphor for God, I guess, in, in the yeah. film. So it's not easy. I get it. But it's not hard. It's not complicated. I like I like that that Donnie could see, uh, like I said, the the end result, and for him it was the world was going to end, right? And and that's kind of like a small view of it. But his world, as he knew it, was going to end, right? And something that he keeps repeating to uh, a number of characters is, um, one day everything's going to be all right for you. This is going to be tell your go home and tell your parents that everything is going to be all right. You know, because as far as as he knows, the things that he's doing is for purpose. Like, because I mean, he's 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 um essentially the the catalyst to correct the universe. Right. Yeah. You know, like he he's going through and uh, he's burning down uh, Jim Cunningham's house, like not knowing that he's he's a huge pedophile with a kitty dungeon, yeah, you know, right. within his house. You know, but for the world to be corrected, this person was gonna have to be you know charged and taken to jail for a kitty porn at some point. But with Donnie Darko dead. You know, it, it kind of changed things, you know, so it's just he's going through and and, and the same thing with the other uh, flood. Mm -hmm. If if the uh, if the school doesn't flood, then what happens with that? Right. You know, so it, it's just him correcting all these things, you know, because he shouldn't be there in the first place. Right. And I, and I really like because the movie really tells you this like quite a bit. Like the, there's some more he's talking with uh, Jenna Malone, um, Gretchen Ross, the girlfriend. OK. Uh, he goes, like, I'm really glad school flooded today because otherwise we wouldn't have had this conversation. Mm -hmm. So, like, the movie doesn't directly tell you at any point what it's doing with the course correction for the universe, mm -hmm. but there's all these little hints about, like, he he goes, like, I don't want to be alone. People always yeah. die alone. Yeah. I had this one dog that went to, under the porch to, to, to die. die, and he was like, no, to be alone. Mm -hmm. and, all that. and ultimately, at the end of the movie, he does die alone. Mm -hmm. And, like, everything kind of dies back. We have Drew Barrymore uh, giving him the phrase cellar door, mm -hmm. which feeds back to when he goes to grandma's dad's thing and they go through the cellar door and yeah. then that's what catalyzes the end of the movie mm -hmm. and all that. So, like, I liked how in the writing how structured everything is in the point of just, like, this happened because this needs to yeah. happen and this happened because this needs to loop back in the end and this yeah. needs to happen. The one thing that I had problems with initially is that you don't know that's what's happening. Not until you watch it completely, yeah. Yeah, not until you watch it, like, at least twice. Mm. You don't know that's what's happening. Yep. But, and normally, like, normally if I don't see a movie structure, I get kind of disinterested. Mm. The interesting thing about Donnie Darko is that I, I wasn't uninterested. Um, I was just annoyed that I couldn't see all the larger pieces. Mm -hmm. uh, and not in a bad way, like, in that kind of, like, all right, what the fuck is happening kind of way. Yeah. Uh, so, I think writing-wise, it's a fascinating fucking film. Because yeah. a lot of people try to do the time loop movies. Yeah. And it just doesn't work because they're missing that element of like surrealism or, or mm. that charm that Donnie Darko carries with it. Mm. And I think a, lo a lot of the charm comes from the the weirdness and the the surreality of the rabbit 
I think it's just a such striking image. It is, yeah. Of like having a six foot tall, scary bunny rabbit With following a, you around. And I mean, his face is all the way gone. It's just a skull of, right. of the rabbit's face, yeah. So like, I think the image of that is so striking that it draws you in. Mm-hmm. So you have something to care about because you, you legitimately care about Donnie because mm-hmm. it didn't go into that route of having like a tortured house. No. You know, it was just a dude with a mental illness. Yeah, has a has a great mother, great father, uh, two sisters. I mean, just seems like a normal house. Right. He's got a girlfriend. Like, he's not ostracized. He's not isolated. Mm-hmm. He's not sad or depressed all the time mm-hmm. in terms of, like, because of trauma or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's just got mental illness. Yeah. And I think that works in favor of the movie uh, because we can empathize a lot closer with Donnie. Mm-hmm. And then when we realize that he's doing this because he has to, because he sees the timeline, he knows what's going to happen yep. and he needs it to happen. Yeah. We can kind of go like, oh, yeah, I get it. Like, I get his character journey, you know? There was, there was a great, like, my favorite moment at the, was at the very end when uh, Donnie, you, you you realize that we're at the time loop. Like, you you all the way see it. Like, you see the, uh, what is it, kind of like a tunnel or a, what would you call that? It's not a black it's hole, a wormhole, but um, a wormhole, yeah. yeah. You can see the wormhole, and they show that pretty prominently through the last 10 minutes of the movie. And you see it all looping back together and connecting and then one of our last scenes, we see we go back to the beginning of the movie. But now this time, Donnie's in bed. You know when the uh, when the engine crashes mm-hmm. in there, and the last thing we see of him is him kind of having a, a realization and a huge smile of like completion, yep. like he actually did something right in the world, like he mattered. Um, and that's when he, where he dies. And that's that was one of my favorite scenes, if not my favorite, just because I felt like he he had some type of redemption. He you know, he he did something, right? You know, the the it was something that was uh, useful to the universe. Yeah, his role in the universe had been completed. Yeah, yeah, and, and that was that was a nice touch. That yeah. really was a nice one. And then the ending of like everybody panning away, mm-hmm. and you get this really nice long shot full across the souls about everyone that would be affected. Yeah, or anything, anyone that was affected in the parallel universe, yep. sort of waking up again and. Not knowing that the parallel universe happened, but, but still getting the idea that something did happen. But yes, you still, like I said, there's something within your subconscious to where, like how they say, uh, like the cheesy things of love at first sight and you seen your soulmate. I didn't even know why I went up to you and said anything to you. Right. Or just like how me and you doing this podcast it was like, I don't know why we decided out of all the people in the school to come talk to each other on the first couple of days and do all those things. You know, it was just something there yeah, right. you know, that draws you to it. And you see that they lived... You know, this what was it 28 days total from mm-hmm. the beginning of the movie to the end or whatever. Uh, 28 days, and uh, the girlfriend she made a strong connection to Donnie Darko, but none of that really happened in the reality that, that they're living in. Right. So by the time they're back into the real reality, none of those things happen. But she feels such a connection to who is this Donnie guy and the mother, to where they share like a knowing look. The mother and the the girlfriend from the other uni- other right. reality that just kind of wave at each other and. I don't know, there, there was something really touching about that. You yeah, know? it was, because it, 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 it's the idea that, you know, human connection transcends reality. Reality, yes. Air quote um, reality, yeah. Which is, it's a really cool concept. And I think that's, I think that the idea of the movie really is that if I were to break down the concept of the movie, I would say that it's just like, we're not in control mm. of time. Or yeah. like or like the universe doesn't care about you as a person, like it's just gonna do its thing. Yeah. Everything's kind of predetermined. Mm. It's 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 a weird faith based concept, way, you know, yeah. the idea that something is ruling over us. Mm. Um, but I like the way it, I like the way it's presented. Yeah. The structure of the movie, despite being messy, like it never really feels like it's messy without a purpose. No. So mm. like Richard Kelly really did know what he was doing sure when he did. wrote it, and like the characters never feel out of place. Mm. They have this weird sort of unrealistic edge to them like uh donnie darko it really feels not a complete person mm. all the time but it doesn't go against the movie i think it works really well with that brand it, of surreality it does I will, I will have to see what donnie darko's character was like in his own universe right because everything that we that we see is from like he has a, he had a pre-existing sleepwalking problem so that's just something that he's been dealing with he's been on and off his meds you know before this but everything after the the crash the the plane crash is i kind of uh, justified his his uh, his personality behind. He can see the end goal, right. and he's gonna act differently with people. He's gonna talk to a girl that he didn't previously have a girlfriend in his other alternate reality, mm-hmm. but in this one, he has the courage to see two bullies and then come up to the girl and be like, "Hey, I'm gonna walk you home," and just or go up to the uh, Jim Cunningham, be like, "Hey." 
uh, the question that he wanted to ask in real reality, mm-hmm. he probably just would have sat there and right. been pissed off, you know. But in this alternate reality, I'm like, hey, how much money did they pay you to come here? I think you're the fucking Antichrist. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite scenes of it, all time. You know, so it's like, I, 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 I don't know if, I don't think that's who he is in the regular universe. Right. But in alternate universe, then, yeah, we're going to see a lot of or everything that we've seen. Yeah, because, because he's sort of the he's sort of the personality of Donnie that has always been in the subconscious. Yeah. And and I, and I think that's a really cool idea of looking at like this Donnie is the Donnie that would happen yep. if he didn't care about you know all the things that fear if he could let go of fear <laughs> and like I, I like how how cheesy they brought in because I mean I, I grew up in the eighties early nineties so we had that self help you know stuff that like what Donnie brought up just mm-hmm. so you can't just say it's about love or fear and ignore every single emotion in between as if it doesn't exist I mean it's not as simple as just love and just fear right and he's totally right. And it's just, it's a weird thing to look at now because where the adults in the situation are coming from, they see it as, no, yes, we are right. This You have to have love, and the, the things that you're saying aren't coming from a place of love. Right. The things you're saying is coming from a place of fear. And that is true, you know, and, and, and what they're trying to explain. But with, with Donnie Darko, the only kid in this high school is able to express, you know, fully something that these other kids around them aren't able to see. And unfortunately, he causes chaos you know, yeah. because he can see further than what's directly in front of him. Yeah, he, he can see what the pieces kind of are. Even if he doesn't know it at the beginning of mm-hmm. the movie or like to the middle of the movie, he, he can, you can tell that he starts seeing more of the picture than everybody else. Yeah. And I think, I think the movie has a sort of cynical edge to it that kind of goes like, no matter what you do, we're all fucked. Mm. <laughs> And uh, and I like that about the movie, but it never delves too far into it. It's yeah. always kind of cheesy and funny with the way it handles everything. Yeah, the movie's funny. Uh, it's it's it, the editing is one of my favorite things about this movie. Uh, pr- my favorite cut is when they're doing that fear and love thing, mm. and then she goes like, "You you'll get a zero for the day if you don't complete the assignment." Yep. And then it cuts to the principal telling him what he said. What, what, what exactly did you say to her? I'll tell you what he said. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, something about inserting it into my anus. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly inserting the card into my anus. <laughs> and and like, <laughs> they cut to Jake Gyllenhaal, and then he has the, yeah, I told you to stick it up your ass face. <laughs> and then that really wants to laugh because the teacher's like a really huge bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was I, a great cut. I, I love the, well, she, she was another one of my favorite characters too because uh, she she was at the uh, the PTA, mm-hmm. and I just remember mothers like that who wanted to get books banned from my school. Yep. That and I, and I was like, the only thing that you're doing, I'm sorry, this is kind of an aside, but it fits to the movie. But I'm like, the only thing that you're doing by telling all these kids not to read this book is, number one, they haven't read it in the first place. And now you're promoting it. And now everyone's going to want to read that book that they didn't even care about in the first place. So that is pointless. And number two is like with the the other mother that is very similar to to Donnie Darko, the mother is. Mm -hmm. She's sitting there and she's like, so... Uh, what is your point anyway? Because you know that we don't ban books at the PTA meeting. So what? <laughs> why are you even talking right now? And that's very Donnie Darko. You know, like what he, what he kind of did when calling out Jim Cunningham. So you yeah. can kind of see where he gets his you know his calling per- out the bullshit. From. And yeah. then we see it from his dad. Like you see, like remnants of or not remnants, but like parts of Donnie Darko and the dad when mm-hmm. the dad is just like you know what, tell them to go fuck themselves. Yeah, and yeah. all of that. That sort of aggr- social aggression. I think that's why I like the movie. It's a, I just realized that it's that social aggressiveness yeah. of calling bullshit out and then not living with it. A lot yeah. of people will see something happen, like that lady at the PTA, and they'll mm. shut the fuck up. Mm. And they want to just go like, ah, shut the... F- that's, what are you doing? Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. Uh, no one really does that. And I think that's what I like about Donnie Darko and mm. like the family. They're mm. just kind of that socially aggressive. They are. Uh, and I and I like it. It's an she, edge of rebelliousness. And she that's, yeah. she called out at that at that PTA, and then the mother was like, "I'm not wrong for this. Like, what what is the problem here? Like, you're saying this, and this has nothing to do while we're here." Then later on in the movie, Miss PTA needs a favor. Oh right, no, no, yeah. hold on. I didn't even get into how pretentious this bitch was. She was <laughs> like, "Um, well, as 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 a as a as a faculty member here here at the, here at the school, and also having a student that that attends uh, what was like a Middlesex middle uh, Middlesex, I feel like I'm the only person qualified." to be able to speak on on behalf of what I'm saying. Everybody's just like, oh, God, this blowhard. Get the fuck out of I here. I transcend the parent-teacher bridge. <laughs> yes. the fuck out of here. The fuck out of here. <laughs> and so she gets called out on abortion because she's just, you know, the lady that wants to be in 
and she kind of wants to live vicariously through her child, who yeah. she's made a dancer and puts her through all this stuff. stuff well, or clearly, whatever. doesn't want to be a dancer because she no. throws up every time yeah. she does it. But but this is the thing though; she gives her a tip. Like if you get up there and you feel like you're gonna throw up, you know, j- just swallow it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she tells her. That's what she tells her daughter. Such a bitch. Yeah. So like, this is the kind of woman that she is. And and Donnie Darko and his family, they see through those kind of people. Like same same with Jim Cunningham. Same with this PTA lady. It's like you can dress things up and pretend to you can have this facade and this front of being one thing but everybody isn't fully love fully happy fully cheerful right. like that is fake and and it's like whenever you have that fakeness they're going to call it out when um when miss pta comes back later on and she's trying to stand up for the for the pedophile got um jim cunningham mm-hmm. patrick swayze's character who i loved in the movie <laughs> when she, she comes to stand up for the pedophile and the mother was like oh well you know nah <laughs> nah it's not a good weekend at least not, out of town yep no <laughs> so it's like yeah I, I respect the family and really see who Donnie is I like. I mean I love that mother so much even her last scene was just her leaned up against a, a tree smoking a cigarette yeah and which just, is very Donnie-ish. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just kind of like, oh, this happened. <laughs> you see, you remember the cigarette scene when Donnie, uh, Donnie gives a cigarette? <laughs> it's like a, <laughs> there's a whole big thing that I don't think I wrote these quotes down. But the Asian girl, the overweight Asian girl, anytime they say- Sharita. Uh, Sharita. Hi, Sharita. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's shut up anytime you say anything to her. <laughs> You know, just hello. Uh, you can talk shit. Just anything is shut up. My favorite thing is that she's clearly got an accent. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you watch a movie with subtitles. Of course. But yeah. in the subtitles, they put a C instead of yes, an S. Yes, yes. Because she's saying <laughs> shut up. <laughs> she is, she's saying <laughs> shut up. But um, so he gets a cigarette. It's like, oh, yeah, you're like a, a big celebrity around. Now you got to smoke a cigarette. So he hands him a cigarette. Smoking was like, uh, yeah, this is some pretty good shit, huh? He's like, it's a fucking cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> so he calls, he calls everything out as it is. Like, what the fuck do you want me to say about it? It's a fucking cigarette, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I love that about, I love that about the character Donnie. Mm-hmm. It's just like, dude, it's a fucking cigarette. Yeah, like what? <laughs> and when he goes on this rant about the Smurf, uh, oh when he's yeah, just like shooting. Calls shit. that out. First of all, uh, mm-hmm. shooting shit in a matter in the middle of a field, mm-hmm. fucking eighties. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You can do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they had like a BB gun though. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. You, you right. You, you right. know, you could do that. Um, but like the, he goes on this rant about Smurfette, where mm-hmm. like the dudes are talking about like how everybody gangsbang Smurfette yep. and, and all this shit, and he's just like, well, first of all, she wasn't created by the Smurfs; mm-hmm. she was a spy, mm-hmm. and then she turned good because of the goodness of the Smurfs. Yep. And also, they can't have sex, or that whole yep. fucking rant. Yep, they're asexual; can't even have there sex. There is. Not a moment in a, in a film that I identified more as yeah. when I hear someone saying something fucking stupid. Yeah. And all I want to do is just go on like, you fucking idiot. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> and then the friend's like, Why, why'd you have to get all smart on us, Donnie? What the fuck? We're just having a good time. And that's that's kind of what we what we talk about, too. It's like the ignorance is bliss. It's like you can kind of believe whatever you want to and be happy as shit until someone comes around and tells you Santa Claus is real. And now we can't have fun anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's who Donnie's character is in this movie. I think I think that's an interesting character mm-hmm. like like trait because those are the people that like are smart yeah. and they like, know how to have a good time but yeah. a lot of the time they're just in their heads oh yeah plates just yeah. fucking that's who donnie time. is that's who donnie is in his normal universe but not in this alternate universe he's nope. calling shit out he's calling <laughs> it all out and i guess that's how his mother and father even his sister all are a bit more functioning mm-hmm. if you will i mean just and the only time that i get to see them really functioning and if you want to call this functioning is when they're all at home having dinner and you kind of see what this family is. And um, they're, they're, they're <laughs> sitting there and uh, what is it? Oh, he's like, <laughs> Donnie says, you're such a fuck ass. He was like, what did you just call me? A fuck ass? And he was like, you know what? You can go suck a fuck. <laughs> he's like, oh, please, Elizabeth, tell me, how does one suck a fuck? He's like, you want me to tell you? And then it's like, all right, kids, that's enough. Like, after they let them go on with this dialogue yeah. for quite a while, you know, because they're kind of entertained by themselves. You know, they kind of see the dad smirking and continue to eat his food. So they kind of shut it down after a few minutes of that. Then the youngest daughter, who's, you know, sitting there listening to all of this, you know, witnessing all of it, and she's like, what's a fuck ass? Because, <laughs> you know? like, it's just, that's just who they are. So it's like, you, you can see the mother and the dad. You don't really get to see much of Maggie outside of, of, right. the, of the home and uh, just a small amount of, of the daughter. 
uh, the, the youngest daughter. Mm -hmm. But you can you get to see that in this universe, he's existing the exact same way at home as he is outside of his home. Right. There's no real filter to That's, Donnie. Not, not, not in this universe, but you would have to assume that in that other alternate universe that he's this way at home and then leaves and just is that shell within himself. He knows all these things, but he's not calling out Jim Cunningham. He's not calling out his friends. He's not walking up to where the bully is and escorting a girl away from him. He's just stuck in his head and just like viewing it as a uh, as a viewer right. instead of as a participant in life. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's really the that's really the fascinating part about the movie that characterization. Uh, I like the idea of like parallel universes. Yeah. I think that's it. Mm. I am I am willing to bet money uh, that that is kind of like what the movie is. You know, it's mm. a parallel universe, pocket reality, collapses in on itself. Yeah. That shit happens. Correct itself. Um, but like. I just think the movie's like a fun little character exploration mm. about, you know, how someone that views the world entirely different from everybody else, see, like, behaves in a world where nothing has any consequence because mm. it's kind of collapsing on itself. Yeah. You know, it's the end of the world. Donnie Donald said it's the end of the world. Yep. He's got 28 days. Yep. So, fuck it. Let's just, let's just live. It's you know? end of the world as he knows it. Yeah. And I feel fine. <laughs> yeah. So, all in all, I think, I, I mean, I think it's a fantastic like fantastically well put together movie mm. it can be frustrating to watch after like the first time you watch it because you've kind of like gotten rid of the spectacle yeah and now you're just watching the film um but it's it's entertaining the performances are fantastic oh, yeah. it's riddled with stars there's not yes. a bad performance in this movie no uh the writing by richard kelly did richard kelly direct too wrote and directed yeah the, i mean he is he knows what he's doing when he it's all about writing and he knew exactly what he wanted to get when he when he directed Donnie Darko, mm -hmm. like it's it's there, like these are this is his vision, yeah. it's the movie he wanted to make, and if you like it or not, it's you know whatever. <laughs> Plus, like I said, we we didn't even mention much of Seth Rogen, but Seth Rogen's in the movie, you know? right? Yeah, Seth Rogen's in the movie. Seth Rogen's in the movie. Drew Barrymore, she's uh, his I teacher. Love Drew Barrymore. Yeah, man, Drew Barrymore. She's like uh, the new student comes into the class. It's like, uh, so where should I sit? Uh, sit beside the. Uh, did she say sit beside the boy or sit beside the person? She says sit beside the boy. You I think thought she did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like sit beside the boy you think is, is the cutest. That was a very odd scene to me. It know? really was. You yeah. know, from like a teacher standpoint, like what the fuck is this about? <laughs> you know, I don't even like boys. Uh, <laughs> 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 so a weird situation to put a, a new student in. Yep. You know, but uh, but I, I liked her character a lot. I liked um I like I said I like the writing a lot like the acting there's there's one scene where um it's like Beth's mom said the boys locker room was flooded and they found feces everywhere and another <laughs> little girl was like what are feces it's just like baby mice it was like ah <laughs> you sweet innocent soul <laughs> yeah. Yeah, baby mice everywhere <laughs> school flooded oh baby mice okay. oh. I really uh. I don't know if, it, like, I really like the way that all the adults kind of behave because mm. anyone outside the Darko family is just kind of like a shell of, mm. like, what people think people should be. Yeah, yeah. Instead of what they are. So I really liked how everyone in the movie was kind of a bumbling idiot mm. besides Drew Barrymore, yep. which can kind of tap into that weird social space that Donnie mm. inhabited, too. Uh, like, I, I it, thought that was really fucking it funny. It definitely did. And a great point because she's fired for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she's, she's, she's eventually fired. And it's like, you don't understand what it takes to, to relate to these kids and to reach these kids and to teach these kids. It's like you're still operating on this, this fake, you know, uh, agenda in order to reach these kids. And it's not working. You right. know, what I'm doing actually is working, but you're not seeing it that way. And she's fired. And that's kind of a point on just social interactions in general is you're looking at what the perception of something is rather than what something actually is. And, yeah. That's, I, I mean, uh, perception is reality for, for most for people. For a lot of people, yeah. Yeah. I, th I think it's interesting that the characters that kind of got fucked up in this movie mm -hmm. are the characters that that can see through perception yeah. and, like, see the reality of the situation. Yep. And I think that's something, I mean, that's a statement, obviously, to make, but the director wanted to make. Yeah. You know, it's just like, if you can see through the bullshit, chances are you're going to be mostly miserable. <laughs> there was there was something that, that the, uh, they brought on earlier. I didn't, I guess I should have cared enough to rewind mm -hmm. it again. But the father, he's uh, he's in bed with his wife, and he's talking about, um, something that happened in the past and how it was like... It was just, uh, someone from their high school that died that on died. the way to prom. Yeah, yeah. and they, he said something about that they could, within the person, they could kind of see it happening to him, mm -hmm. you know, even before he died. 
that you can kind of just see that some ominous thing hovering above that person. And I, I think about that sometimes too. It's weird, like retroactively, you'll see a person that died and then you'll go back and look at their old pictures and could see if you could see death coming for them. Right, that yeah. sounds like some weird, stupid, crazy <laughs> shit. But seriously, though, it was just like, was there any foreshadowing that would make you believe that they could have had a freak accident, you know, that you can't foreshadow at all? Right. You know, but, anyway, but yeah, but just with that, he said that um, you can kind of see that with this person that died on the way to the prom. And funny enough, it's like you could you could say the same thing about Donnie. Mm-hmm. You know, well before Donnie dies within the movie, that his father is able to, and his mother, they're able to kind of see through and even hang this ominous flag over their own son. Right, and mm-hmm. and, and I think the energy of, of the mom and dad is that of like knowing that something dangerous or bad is going to happen to mm-hmm. Donnie. I think that's very much present. Yeah, and I think in that same scene that that goes, it's like he could have died tonight, mm-hmm. and like, and I think they knew that he was Supposed going to, to or die. Going to, yeah. yeah. And I think that's kind of what gives the movie this like really nice sort of edge to it, you know. I wonder. I wonder if the um, I w- I'm going to do some research after the show because mm-hmm. I want to know if anyone working on this movie from what was this 2001, if they so. if they uh, if they were working on the movie, there was like a chain of like movies to where the universe is just trying to correct itself. Yep. You remember what I'm talking about? Uh, Final Destination. <laughs> You know, you know what I'm talking about? Was the premise of Final yeah, Destination. Final Destination. Yeah, it's like uh, someone <laughs> someone is supposed to get on a plane. The plane crashes, but he doesn't get on the plane. And all the people that, Lord, there's like seven of them that don't get on the plane. Mm-hmm. And now the universe is just coming for them one by one, oh, trying sure. to correct the the universe. You know, and I didn't know that was a premise of Final Destination. I thought it was just like people dying. No, the first one's good. The first one is like the the universe is definitely has a huge part and is just trying to correct itself. Interesting. After that is just like a killer movie. But yeah, <laughs> I, w- I would like to see if any if they have any correlation between these two. Well, it's interesting because now that you say that, a lot of like that early like Doctor Who was rebooted mm. in two thousand five, and okay. a lot of the early Doctor Who concepts was the universe fixing itself, mm. and a lot of the sci fi tropes was the universe yeah. like fixing itself. Time mm. travel became a huge thing we have um primer there's another time travel movie that came out around that time Mm -hmm. along with the same premise of just like everything you know the universe kind of wants to keep trying to fix itself uh so like it was was, i think i think that the early 2000s were a very existentialist period for filmmakers because i realized that time is bullshit and nothing really matters and the universe will do what it wants Mm -hmm. and that's why we got a lot of movies like donnie darko and i think it's great (laughs) i uh you ready to rate this movie uh yeah um, one out of ten. I'm gonna go seven. Seven. Mm. I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with seven too. Mm. Yeah, I like. I the structure was weird, but it was with a purpose. Mm. I was lost, but I was enjoying my time being lost, which mm. usually doesn't happen okay. a lot. Uh, all the, the writing is like gorgeously yeah. well put together, yes. and the direction is also really really cool and purposeful. Mm. And I like. I like the. I don't know if you noticed. I like those really cool slow mo shots. With the music playing? Uh, yeah, they did a uh, Tears for Fears um, th- head over heels when he's uh, yeah. stepping out of the bus. Head yeah. over heels, yeah. Okay, mm. so th- I love those scenes. Mm. I love the ending choice of the song for Mad World by Gary Jules. That's Gary Jules? Gary Jules. I thought yeah. Mad Mad World was uh, Simon and Garfunkel for some reason. Well, the original might be. No. Yeah, I think that they might have used the original cover. Okay. The original song. But there is a cover by Gary Jules. Oh. That's like my favorite version of the cover of the song. Um, you're right. I think that was that might have been Garfunkel. Anyway, I yeah. like that. I like that sh- like that song choice. Yeah. Um, I, I think the mo- the movie was just like really. It was like a weird puzzle that just kind of fit in together nicely. Somewhat. Yeah. And then it just kind of like uh, ended. <laughs> that was it. I like that. I think seven is a good score. For it was fun. Movie. It was good. Uh, watch it. It's. I mean, if you're into film, people are gonna say, "Oh, have you seen Donnie Darko yet?" And then you're gonna just be like, "Yeah, I have to see it." Yeah. Yeah, filmmakers always get shit about not seeing Donnie Darko. Yeah. Now, after after critically watching it, you know, you don't have to see that. You don't, you don't have to. You, don't <laughs> yeah. have, you, don't, you really don't have to. But, yeah, I guess if you're going to be in this world, then, yeah, you yeah. might need to. It's also really not that complicated. I stand by it. All right? I, I get it. There's a weird bunny rabbit. There's time travel. It's not that hard. A f- if, if you try, it's not, yeah. Yeah. Fucking. That, that seems to be the theme mm. lately for just life in general. Yeah. Hey, if you try, it's not that hard. Yes. That's, <laughs> that, that's with everything. If you try, it's nothing not is really that hard. No. But more people need to hear that. More people need to fucking hear that. No, me and you need to hear that. Everybody needs to hear that. Yes. Yeah. Everything. Everything. Like anytime that we come up short in anything, yeah. like, did you try? You know, it's like with this, like I woke up at a certain time, like, well, I didn't go to bed. Well, did you try? 
Like, how did you try? Right, right, no. <laughs> so it's like, it's like with everything, everybody, like, trying is fucking hard. And yeah. just finding where you're going to put your effort into trying sometimes. Being a person, that's hard work, man. Yeah, hell yeah. It's, it's not easy. Only, only have so many try points to put in each day. And a lot of people was like, I'm not going to put my try points into this movie. <laughs> like, they're not going to. Maybe that be an actual currency. Like, you only have five try points. And Seriously, like, yeah. I'm going to try to get this assignment done. And there goes two of them. Yep. And I just have three left. We got three left. By the time I'm done, if I, I'm just going to make dinner. It's like, nope, fucking Mm-mm. get a McDonald's. Going to McDonald's. Not going to try to do, do anything. No. Like, uh-uh. <laughs> seriously <laughs> seriously if you were trying as like a form of currency <laughs> that is that's funny anyway we're gonna close and then we're gonna go <laughs> fuck we're gonna cut and then talk about television and movie premieres for yeah. next week Ooh. and welcome back television and movie premieres uh, this week, television movie premieres Super Short Weekend Television is going to be from Tuesday, May the 15th through Monday, May the 21st. Uh, the one and only television show of note coming out is going to be Saturday, May the 19th, Fahrenheit 451. Oh, the, the book burning book. I love that. I love that book. That's a really solid. I'm, I don't know if this is the same thing I'm thinking about. Like, I'm, there was a, um, a Michael, Michael, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, he's the guy that wrote the book. He made uh, a movie. Ray Bradbury is the one that wrote the book. Who am I thinking about? I'm not going to be able to shit. No. You know this guy. He's he's hardcore left. Um, fat guy, white guy, beard, glasses. Uh, he was super into conspiracy stuff. Michael Moore. Michael there we Moore? go. Michael Moore. Yeah. Uh, he I made a book. That. He made a book. I mean, he made a movie, uh, Fahrenheit 451. Nope, Fahrenheit 911. What's the go. name of it? Yeah, that's the conspiracy theory uh, about 911 being an That's what job. it was, yep. yeah. Bowling for Col- Columbine, he did. He did a number of stuff like that back when I was in my heavy conspiracy theory days. <laughs> read all of his books like a jackass. But, um, <laughs> but this is completely unrelated. It's Fahrenheit 451. It's a drama sci-fi on HBO. Uh, starring Michael B. Jordan, Michael Shannon, uh, Sophia Butella. Uh, it's, it's an adaptation of Ray Bradbury's classic novel set in the book-burning future. Yep. I think I've read this book. Oh, it's a fantastic book. You probably have. They, they, no, they they come like the people come to your house like they they um they're trying to get rid of all literature mm. and like people are literally coming to your house and burning shit down like burning books down. Yeah, they like take all your books, confiscate them, and burn them. Burn them down. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen this. I, no, I haven't read this. I've seen another movie like this or something because I can or either my imaginary my imagination is that great to where for me reading it I put pictures to those yeah. <laughs> you know to it. I but mean, it might uh, maybe one, but the, there there is a movie about it somewhere. It's yeah. a cla- it's a fantastic book. I love it. It's okay. it's a really a, it came out like around the time where television was a, being a big thing. Mm-hmm. So it was like an anti television, anti, you know, entertainment kind of book in a weird way. I'm gonna I'm gonna highly recommend this. I I remember either watching it or reading this, <laughs> but it's um <laughs> Michael B. Jordan, Michael Shannon, and Sofia Butella. They're gonna be in this uh, adaptation on HBO Saturday, May the nineteenth. On HBO, check it out. Cool. But that's all for television. We have a few movies. Uh, we'll save the best for last. We'll start with Show Dogs. Uh, Show Dogs is a PG movie, 92 minute <laughs> runtime. It's an action adventure comedy. Uh, the rundown is Max, a macho solitary Rottweiler police dog, is ordered to go undercover as a as a primed show dog in a prestigious dog show, along with his human partner, to avoid to avert a disaster from happening. I uh, love that you went. So we'll save the best for last. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to end the show on show dogs. Such a subtle way of selling the first movie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't want to end with that. Um, that. That show dogs is starring Will Arnett and uh, Stanley Tucci, uh, directed by Raja Gosnell. And so, yeah, if you're a fan of Will Arnett or dogs or, you know, I can, I can see mothers taking kids to see this movie. Yeah, really. Yeah. It's funny because Will Arnett is also the voice of Bojack Horseman. Yeah, oh yeah, Will Arnett does a lot. I love it, yeah. Will Arnett's pretty good. He's awesome. But yeah, I'm not going to be checking you out, Will Arnett, so yeah, there's that. Um, The next is uh, Book Club. It's a PG-13 comedy. Four lifelong friends have their lives forever changed after reading Fifty Shades of Grey in their monthly book club. That sounds hilarious. Uh, Diane Keaton and Jane Fonda star in it. Um, this is something just me being a super gay like connoisseur of uh, content. I'm mm. gonna watch this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely one of those movies that like it, it, they're kind of of my jam too. Yeah. yeah. 
It's like a like like a pseudo chick flick is what they're kind of being called. Oh yeah, I don't believe yeah. in chick flicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they exist. I think whatever, whatever. But that's definitely like that market. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love, I've been loving Diane Keaton since she was wearing those those vests and um in uh, any any hall. Jane Fonda always had a big crush on her, so I mean, I'm I'm gonna watch this. I this know Jane hot. Fonda, but I don't remember her face. I I only remember her from being super hot in the '60s. I can't <laughs> tell you many uh, movies that she's been in, but no, she's 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 out there though. Fair enough. But yeah, Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, Book Club. Uh, next thing we have is First Reformed. Uh, it's rated R, 108-minute runtime. It's a drama thriller. Uh, this one's Amanda Seyfried and Ethan Hawke, Cedric the Entertainer, are in this. Um, the rundown is a, for- a former military chaplain is racked by grief over the death of his son. Mary is a member of his church whose husband, a radical environmentalist, commits suicide, setting the plot into motion. Um... Don't know this writer-director, Paul Schrader, but uh, Amanda Seyfried and Ethan Hawke, Cedric the Entertainer, is a very good actors in it. It has an 81 meta score, and it's not a long movie, so I that's thought amazing. Cedric the Entertainer was dead. What? <laughs> yeah, for some Why reason. would you think that? I don't know. For some reason, I thought he was dead. Don't put that on... No. What? <laughs> don't put that on Cedric the Entertainer? You said his name, and I was just like, that's still alive? What the what fuck? The fuck? <laughs> no. Oh, my yeah. God. That would hurt me so bad. Oh, yeah. That would that, be a sad day. No. I like, Cedric. like, Bernie Mac is dead. Yeah. Bernie yeah. Mac is dead. Bernie Maybe Mac I is dead. Maybe I confused him for a second. Uh, yeah. Know. Bernie Mac is definitely dead. Cedric the Entertainer, no. Don't don't you... <laughs> no. It's sad because, like, he's, he's in his, like, 50s or 60s, and... Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> the, uh, uh, next mo- next and the last movie is the movie that uh, you've been waiting for in the first place is Deadpool 2 uh, it's rated R 119 minute runtime. it's an action adventure comedy uh, the foul mouthed mutant mercenary Wade Wilson aka Deadpool brings together a team of fellow mutant rogues to protect a young boy of supernatural abilities from the brutal time traveling mutant Cable uh, it's directed by David Lech, Leach, L-E-I-T-C-H, Lech. Okay, David, yeah, David Lech. Lech. Yeah. Uh, stars Josh Brolin and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, really. Zazie Beetz is in it. I don't know, Morena Bakarin, not sure she, who that is. She played, uh, she's his girlfriend, Morena Bakarin, and she played, did you watch, Fire, you watch Firefly? Yeah, oh She yeah. played the, the escort. Oh, the Asian escort lady. She was Asian of some kind, wasn't she? She looked pretty white, but she has Asian-ish features. She kind of, yeah, yeah. She has dark hair. Her, and, yeah, yeah, her. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she uh, has like, no, she, Morena, Bark, Bakarin, yeah, she ain't white. Yeah. <laughs> 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 she, she, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah they, they're, they'll all be in Deadpool too. Um, it's rated R, so it's like, mm, the bad part, or parents, so, so parents, if you have children, don't bring them to see the goddamn Deadpool 2. Nope. Don't bring them. I mean, we we, we said this the last time before we seen Deadpool 1. Who was in the theaters? The kids. goddamn kids. Kids. The kids. Ryan Reynolds went on a huge oh. fucking campaign to mm. stop. They made commercials. which was like, yeah, don't bring your kids to Don't this do movie. it, man. They made commercials. <laughs> you know, what other movie mm-hmm. has made a commercial to tell you to not go see it under this very specific circumstances? Yeah. Fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't, don't ruin my movie. Like, it, it's so awkward watching a rated R movie that's like that graphic when you have like a seven-year-old or a six-year-old beside you or behind you. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, just don't do it. Shit, man, don't, don't do it, please. Yep. That's why I go very late at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's like R-rated movies. Also, Deadpool ca- caught me off guard. I forgot that it was coming out. Oh, nice. And I just saw the trailer yesterday, and it's just like, May 18th, what the fuck? Yeah. It's like right there. It's mm-hmm. happening. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for Deadpool 2. Yeah, me too. I think that's it. Do that you is, have anything else you want to say? That is it. No, that, that's it for today's episode. Uh, let's do the spiel. You can find us on Twitter at underscore FFS Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Google Play Music, iTunes Podcast App, Stitcher, and Sa- Stitcher, not SoundCloud anymore. We're off SoundCloud uh, under the name uh, For Film's Sake. Uh, our Facebook is at the FFS Podcast. And my personal Twitter handle is at Brian Achieve. I'm at THA underscore V-O-N-Z. Hey. And that's it for today's episode. So we will see you next week. Yeah.